Ogan in your house growing up, how much dust did you have? Because the windows were open all the time and the this air blew through and the, the you know, <laughs> I mean, you had sand issues. Sure, there but. was there were sand issues, but you're right. Not a lot of dust issues, lizard issues and, and roach <laughs> issues and mosquito issues because the windows are open all the time. But again, but they're only issues right. because we see them inhabiting our space Ooh. and not the, other, not way the other way around. We're the issue. Exactly. I'm not going to be able to let that one go. <laughs> it's not about it's not God. It's us. It's not God. It's us. Show title. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 217 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Ogan Holder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a the- theological lens with a good brew in hand. I've been over them words. You go for it. <laughs> that brew might be in one of these uh, fine uh, Pub Theology Life pint glasses. If you're watching our live stream, uh, you'll see what they look like. Um, if you love one of these, head over to patreon.com slash ptlive and become a patron. Help support this work that we're doing. Keep the show going. We got plans to start at $7 a month. And for that, you not only get the glass, but you get some additional video content of our pre and uh, post show conversations. They mostly fall along lines of like family, sports, politics, TV shows, sports, uh, COVID, sports, especially those two in football. It's a whole thing. Uh, but anyway, so for additional content and again, to support the show patreon.com slash pt live and we always thank our current patrons support the show did you see what you just did there i did i did this week we'll be talking about wordle natural disasters TikTokon, and citizenship so what are we drinking today fellas brian what are you drinking today well i am uh, getting low on the beer and we have not been out much since uh we've all been under the weather but i've got a raz cranberry lacroix to be uh supported by uh bombay sapphire gin which turns out to be a decent little combo i i can't even imagine how that's decent but i don't either it's fizzy i guess with your gin i don't even take your word for it it works we will take your word for it uh i i don't have anything uh for the rest of the evening after today's show so it's gonna be a two-bear show for me um i'm starting with something called i don't know founders brewing it's called the bottle shop series a highball drifter wow it's 11 percent. and let me just read uh and the second bear uh um lauren uh going going easy and lower uh um we call it um right start with higher alcohol move down from there That's there you go the, yeah. uh sam adams uh winter lager there you go what i'm gonna so founders uh good michigan beer is it is it all right so uh it says there's a new sheriff in town meet highball drifter a barrel aged sipper inspired by our favorite bourbon based cocktail then it goes on to describe what's in it and then it says hints of cherry and bitter orange peel whisk you away like a 
tumbling tumbleweed. Call us old fashioned. It's based on an old fashioned, yeah. But we think you're going to love it. All right. So <laughs> we go find that out. Nice. Shannon, what do you got? Well, it's funny because I also have a Sam Adams today, which is very Ooh. unusual. But the only beer that we have in the house is football beer. Like, so we've had this discussion before where we drink yeah. good beers. And then during football, you drink like regu- regular beer, which yeah. for us is kind of a rotation between Sam Adams of various kinds and um, Fat Tire is our oh, other no, those kind are of legit. Those are legit yeah. options. Right. So this was a multi-pack of Sam Adams right now called um, the Golden Goat. Mm, and it's goat. G-O-A-T. Um, you know, greatest of all time. It is, um, I had it the other day and it's delicious. I actually was drinking it during the Kansas City Bills game, which is clearly like, I want more football, but we had the Super Bowl last Sunday if you yes. watched that game. It was wow. unfreaking believable. So in honor of that, that's what I was drinking during the game. I'm drinking that. Um, and if they both could have won, they both deserve to win. They um, did. And if Josh Allen had gotten his chance, he would have won. Like it was just a matter of who got the ball. So that's what I'm drinking. The golden. And if you want more in-depth football coverage, become a patron, (laughs) become a patron. (laughs) Seriously. I'm sorry. It's almost over. Ogan. It's almost over. That's what I told Christy the the other day. We're almost done. It's, it's all good. I'm, I'm staying up to unbelievably wee hours watching Australian open tennis. And (laughs) before we know it, it's going to be NBL star break in the second half of the right. season. And then I'll be having my moment. So, you know, you guys, you guys do your thing now. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, and watching the Australian Open. I mean, that's no joke a bit. It, it, it isn't, man. I mean, I, there was a time I used to stay up or wake up and watch the, the 3 a.m. matches. I don't have the, I don't have the resilience for that anymore. Um, so, so I'll watch till maybe one in the morning. And then, you know, if I'm lucky, I'll wake, wake up my normal time and they'll still be playing. <laughs> <laughs> As it's happened a few times. Right, 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 right. There you go. But uh, but but it's it's the whole the whole, and I think we talked about this at one point uh, in one of our pre-shows. The whole uh, controversy around you know Djokovic and the and the vax mandates and all that. It was right. it was a whole thing, and they're they're still going back and forth on that right now. Yeah, there you go. On to today's topics. All right. Have either of you stepped into the Wordleverse yet? No. <laughs> I'm holding out as long as I can. There you go. So I, I have, here's my current streak for those of you on. Hey. I don't play every day. Wow, you're good. I am pretty good. Um, Why do you seem surprised? She's the smartest of the three of us. <laughs> well, I know, but. Well, you know what? I'm not good at word games. Like I'm not overly good at Scrabble or like words with friends or crossword puzzles, but this has none of that. You're just like guessing words. Yeah. So like I have a good vocabulary, but just for some reason, I'm not good at, I'm not typically good at word games. And I think that's part of the appeal is like, and, and it's only five letter words. So like I have this running list of five letter words. And so, you know, is that is that sweet spot between we make you think a little bit, but not so much that exactly. you feel bad about it. Yes. And I will fully admit that for me, it's like a little accomplishment in the beginning of the morning. Like, oh, look, I did it. You know, yeah. um, now what I OK, that's what I like about it. Yes, I have not one time. And by the way, my streak is 
I've played 10 times, which is, I've played more than that, but this is like the current streak, you know, yeah. I played 10 times, five of those times I got it on three tries. Amazing. Two of those times I got it on four and, and three of those times I got it on five tries. I've never gone down to six. Like, look at you now. And I say that because what I'm about to say is I have never, not once shared this on social media Fail. because Fail. what I don't like about it <laughs> is my freaking timeline full of stupid wordles. Oh, get off my lawn. Oh, I That's love it. What I, don't I like love about it. it. If you didn't share it on social, did you play? Did no. <laughs> yes. Which is partly why I showed you proof. <laughs> yeah. I, Cause I wondered, I hadn't seen either of you post, so I wasn't sure. Ooh. I thought you were both going to be a no. I actually didn't get it at first. I mean, the rules are simple enough, but for some reason I didn't, I, it didn't like, it had to be harder than that. Right. I didn't like, get it the first time either. No, I screwed up the first time. Like I kept guessing different five. Like, I just thought you guessed five letter words until you got the word right. and even though i read the instructions i just didn't quite yeah. i don't know it didn't click yes for me um Same but i me. so brian do you have a strategy there's actually articles about this now well oh, um i know i know you I know. know i i don't necessarily have a strategy in terms of like the first word uh, uh -huh. so yes i play wordle but you all know that because i post it every day yes <laughs> you do <laughs> And, but you know, it's, a, I know, and I know it's at risk of being annoying or people muting me or unfollow, you know, I get that. I don't, I don't, we yeah. passed the risk point, my friend. I just want to put that. Girl, I did, it's a, I it's have, a certainty. There is one person that I have unfollowed, like snoozed for 30 days because of it. Absolutely. There you go. There is one person. It wasn't you. But there was one person. But it might like, be me soon. But there's like. But I was like, I can't. I just can't handle this. She's dropping know? a hit, my there's friend. A little community of wordlers, and it's fun to compare. So let's make a Facebook group where you all get to share your wordles. You That's a great idea. Right. That's what a needs private to wordle group. Have that a private exactly. wordle group, like, or make a separate. You know how you can do like filtered people. Yep. Be like, hey friends, who wants to see my wordle? Yep. Like. And and filter those friends and yeah. make them don't, post. Don't punish the rest of us. <laughs> I, that's a brilliant solution. I love that. So mm. do I have a do I have a strategy? I pick a different starting word every day because I want to get it right one time. And maybe that's actually a worse strategy for getting it right on number one. But I pick different words every time. It's kind of like, well, what do I feel like today? I'm going to try this word. So I don't have a great strategy. No, I was doing that first. In fact, one of the part of what hooked me is once I figured it out, once I figured out how to play, like yeah. I messed up a couple, you know, like trying to figure out how to play. And once I figured out how to play, I was sitting there and for some reason I'm staring at it and I like, couldn't think of any five letter words. And I was like, quick, just put something like in my brain. And I was like, Oh, quick's a five letter word. And it happened to be a day where it wasn't quick, but it was Q U were the first two letters. That was gold. And I was like, it was gold. And that kind of hooked me, right? Yeah. Like that whole, like, oh my, it was like a little drug. Like yeah, it you're was like, like a little yes. Exactly. So I just got damn lucky on that one. Um, but wait, wait, now this, I this is this is a this is a time in our lives where we can all use a little uh um, um clean endorphin hit. Exactly, <laughs> yes. like just a little excitement. Just a little um, bit. <laughs> but now I actually, I switched my strategy and I start with the same word every day. Um, and uh, it eliminates, 
it's one word that eliminates some very common letters. It either yeah. highlights or eliminates some very common letters all in one word. So I can start from there. Now, do you want to share that word with our listeners? I don't care. I use speak. Speak. Mm -hmm. oh. A couple of vowels in there. Some vowels. I've got E-A. I've got S. Got the and then S. I, the P and the K, like, actually, surprisingly, come up often because of the last letter. They kind of do. Yeah. It, a lot of the words end with P and K. So speak works really well for me. When I was I sort of sticking with you know, similar, same word or similar word. I was trying to get S, T or R always in there mm -hmm. and or E and A. Um, but I, but I like speak is good. Speak is so good. I, I think I'm not playing because uh, it, I, I've realized it's my nature to be contrarian. So I think that like the, by the time I yeah. heard about Wordle, it was already super popular. And I'm right. like, well, I'm not doing whatever everybody else is doing. Yeah. I want to be contrarian. I think it's also why I am resisting getting into football. Um, but, <laughs> but I'm also the kind of person who, who, who wants, I step in, like, forget about it. And I also have a, I also have an addictive personality. And, and this is the thing I'm, I'm, I'm always super cautious about. I was telling Brian uh, in the, in the pre-show, this happened with Candy Crush. Uh, remember Candy yes. Crush back in the day? Um, but, I resisted playing that. Yes. And then, and then uh, my wife Jennifer started playing and she was complaining about how, you know, when she got to the higher levels, how difficult it was. And then I was like, it can't be this hard. So I started playing and in short order, I passed her and then she got upset that I passed her and we're lying in bed. And instead of lying in the bed to go to sleep, having conversations and connecting, we're both on our phones playing Candy Crush. So here's another thing I yeah. like about it, though. You can only play once a day. I've heard that. I've so heard that. you I've heard that. It, it comes up every morning that once you do it you're so then done basically got withdrawal symptoms the rest of the day that's but not that actually is part of like i would have stopped playing if it was an ongoing game uh, honestly okay that's interesting that's interesting mm -hmm. i would have like i have a couple of ongoing games that i play that are completely mindless but mm -hmm. they're never they're always like i can walk away from them easily um today so wait do you have to create a profile nope, do they know you're on playing the website more than today? Oh, so they're basically tracking your IP address. Have y'all never heard of VPNs? Come on, man. Okay. I also feel like we should move on because people are sick of Wordle already. Even those that play it are sick of it. And we've already spent a lot of time talking about it. We, we have. We, we really have. Too much time. So let's transition from something nice and joyous and innocent to <laughs> arguably what does the reality of things like earthquakes and pandemics say about god they don't say anything about god god doesn't cause these okay at least in my theology my understanding of god god does not cause these to these things to begin god doesn't cause them to end god's not an intermediary in the midst of them because a lot of people praying for have prayed for their loved ones when they caught the virus and those loved ones died some of some of us are praying for other people to get the virus and they won't uh so you know they <laughs> let's just just to put it out there um so so i don't uh I, I i think the question i think the question um sort of sort of um unfortunately <sighs> Hence, hence, hence to a, or invites the, the interventionist God sort of perspective. 
Um, and I don't know. I may I may be making that leap, but for me, it doesn't it doesn't say anything about God at all. It it so it it doesn't um, mean like in that in the creation process there was some like errors that God didn't get out in the debugging process, and you know like can, wait we should reboot this. There shouldn't be things like earthquakes where suddenly you know whole ecosystems are disrupted uh, and creatures die or well, viral well again, pandemics. Also in my theology, there wasn't a thing called God that created <laughs> the earth that created ah, all that is all that so is you present. Right? So there was no divine creation in your in your theological. No, for me, no, there wasn't yeah. there there wasn't a divine being or element that created for me the very the very idea of creation, the act of creation, the essence of creation is divinity itself so it's not that god created it is that god is creation which is which is a distinction i think is important because then we can say that to to an extent all all that is alive we can say all that lives all that exists we can say is is in god and god is in it that that uh and what what is the word panentheistic sort of idea of things. Sure, sure. But wouldn't you say that uh, the existence of Wordle points to the existence of a, an intelligent designer? It points to the existence of the devil, maybe. <laughs> that's one too far. One too far. <laughs> but it, but that's, what, that's an often an argument, right? That if you look at, you know, creation and you look at even the, you know, the detail down to like our, our genomic structure and the level of detail and creativity and that if things were shifted just a little bit on any number of things life wouldn't be feasible isn't that evidence of a sort of a divine intention no i think i think it's evidence random chance i i think it's for me it's evidence of we don't fully understand how it all works yet right because we can even point to things scientifically that we know and can explain now that a hundred years ago, folks were like, "That's that's that's a damn miracle." Like that's got to be God at work because we don't understand how this could happen, right? But turns out, then we did some science and we go like, "Oh, this is how this works. This is how this functions. It makes perfect sense, and we can explain it." Sort of deal. So, so I I, I think uh, it is a it's a bit of a paradox for me, right? It's I, I believe ultimately we will get to the point where everything is explainable. It's not going to happen anytime soon in any next five, 10 generations, but we will, we will get to that point. Um, but even if it's, it's, sorry, even if it's explainable, that doesn't preclude divine involvement. As uh, again, then it comes down to how are we defining divine or we are we define it as something that stands apart from it all right right and and right. for me that's that's a distinction no i don't believe divine divinity god whatever you want to call it stands apart from interventionist or not stands apart from creation and is the active agent of creation for me it's it's the it is the it is the very it is the very um um, tendency of the universe to perpetuate itself uh it's 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 all that is uh it's not all that is being created so that that's just where where i am 
And I 100% admit that I could be 100% wrong about all of it. <laughs> yeah. So, Shannon, what do you think? We, have, we haven't heard your thoughts on, on earthquakes and pandemics and such. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, actually, as we're talking, thinking that earthquakes and pandemics can be explained. Like, it's not like we are at the point where these things, right. this isn't like the great mystery yeah. that they once were, right? Exactly. We're not, we know about tectonic plates. We know about- Right. We know <laughs> what that. happens in the earth and it, like the in the South Pacific, what this last week or two, the, you know, a volcano erupted. And honestly, you know, it's still surprising to me that we're, that we're still surprised when a- tornado or when a volcano erupts right like there's part of me that's like we're not at the point where (laughs) technology knows already that something's happening under the surface and this is about you know what i mean like it's actually surprising to me that nature can still surprise us yes um and i this a little aside but this is what i'm getting at is uh several years ago i had a prisoner and um was in the hospital and something was wrong and they were like, well, we're going to have exploratory surgery. And I'm like, you know, it's just, that sounds so arcane. Like the idea that you're just going to have to open up and take a peek around. Like we have machines that can look inside our body and like see all the way, like, why do we still need this huge procedure to like take a peek around? And I, because in my mind, medicine should be that advanced, right? Yeah. Like science, scientists should be advanced enough to warn um, people listen, about a come on science i i ain't worried about that when they when they start calling for the leeches that's when i'm gonna get worried well <laughs> so you under i mean you understand that like it's this weird um there's part of me that thinks that we're so much more advanced than we are that yeah. we're still surprised by earthquakes we're still you know that we we don't have more warn, warning with these things now is that and too yet, much science fiction viewing that that makes you th- have that sense that because you see like you know uh you watch a movie where someone can lay down on what looks like an mri machine and it totally figures out everything and heals it in a human body at once but we don't have that yet maybe but i don't watch that much science i don't think it's i don't think it's about that i think it's about the fact that after the event happens we suddenly can we suddenly can explain every last minute yes. detail of what happened can right. we reverse engineer that sort of technology to give <laughs> right. us some heads up Yes. Now, now where I, where I go, where I go the opposite way is like with a hurricane and like a hurricane is coming. And this is the trajectory that if it continues on this trajectory, it will hit these places and we will prepare, but it could shift at any moment. But for some reason in my mind, that's like, yes, of course it can shift at any moment, but an earthquake or a volcano, it doesn't work that, you know, it can't in my mind, doesn't shift that quickly. So it's, they're more predictable, yeah. but they're also not, do you know what I mean? Anyway, but pandemics, it's not that pandemics or this pandemic specifically was predicted or predictable, but why we're in a pandemic and it wasn't just a few people getting sick is completely explainable. And the, you know, and again, go back to any other, the plagues, if you will, like once they figured out the source of you know, what was making people sick, it was completely understandable why this group of people got sick and this group of people did not and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So and anyway. we're still trying to figure out, should we take this thing seriously or not? Right. But so anyway, I just think that like what it says about God isn't necessarily, um, 
it, it doesn't necessarily have to be able to would not be explained, you know, or. No, and, and I guess maybe the framing is more around, re- the explaining is one thing, but then there's also the, um, the, I guess the problem of evil, right? Like how can a good God create a world in which such devastating suffering is built into how it works? Because humans. Well, no, but right. but humans didn't invent earthquakes or or viruses. No, but, but let we, me, we, okay. we we've invented our response to them. But okay, right. Yeah, but that's not the same. No, it's not. But but my aunt, um, who I saw this summer, has um two of my three aunts. Well, actually, all three of my aunts um on my dad's side have had cancer of one form or another. Um, my youngest aunt, um, her her diagnosis just this past year was with breast cancer and she works in the medical field and she did the genetic testing to, cause she wanted us like her nieces and nephews. She doesn't have any children, but her, her, her nieces specifically to know if we, she was like, I'm willing to do the testing to know if you carry the gene. Right. So if I, yeah. it's somehow in our family and it wasn't. And what it was is she's like, listen, we, I grew up in a time and a place where there was like basically chemical everywhere. You know, it was before a time when we cleaned our rivers and, you know, I guarantee that the water that ran through our house was through lead pipe. I guarantee that the streams that I played in were full of God knows what from all the factories that ran, you know, whatever. She's like, of course I'm going to get cancer. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that for me is like, we do actually do this. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. she did this to herself. Right. right. But we do actually do this in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so for me, this is a question like in even in terms of theodicy. And this is where I really am Calvinist, maybe one of the only ways that I really, really am Calvinist. There we go. And we've talked yeah. about this before. Bring it. It's all our fault. Like it's not God's fault. It's our fault. And we're and, we're uh, the messed up. So so to go back to 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 uh, agreed. And and natural disasters that I think is what Brian's really getting at. When when it's not our fault, when it's a yeah. when it's an earthquake, ar- arguably the pandemic, arguably pandemic might be our fault. You know, depending. I would on, argue depending that on what all you... of those things are still our fault. I really would. <laughs> Even an earthquake? I don't think so. I don't, I don't actually so. know I enough. I don't know enough about the science of earthquakes. Or, or, or a hug. Now now in a, in a in a in a case of where they've been fracking in the Midwest and all of a sudden you got an earthquake in Ohio, maybe that. But who knows what fracking in the Midwest affects on the South Pacific, right? Okay. So, and yeah, who, knows what, who knows what the, climate change has affected the warm right. water in the Caribbean that then creates more like we do know the science behind when that. there was no science. Yes, humans were not causing any of this, and they right. still happen. They, they were natural disasters even before we really fucked things up. Yes. Us fucking it up has made it worse, yes. arguably, but they were natural disasters. But again, the 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 question then um, is is asking really, do we where do we stand on the belief that God is the causation of things like natural okay. disasters? Like, I'm going to argue one more thing. Go for it. <laughs> Bring it. We call them natural disasters, but these earthquakes and these, this is how earth and land was formed. This is how the land was about to get there separated from the water. Like we benefit from these disasters, not financially, like, but 
you know, millions of years ago, we now live on what was ocean land. Right. That through disaster is now yeah. land that we can yeah. inhabit. Islands like Barbados don't exist unless the plates and land sort of. Exactly. Exactly. We call them natural disasters because they interfere with our life. It's just Earth doing what Earth does. There you go. All right. I like that. That's 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 where just we're Earth being Good Earth. People. It's just Earth being Earth. And so, it's like it's like we talk about these these damn deer coming in the neighborhood and, and eating all our flowers exactly. and all that. We built the damn house where they were living. <laughs> so I used to have a parishioner and I was talking to her one day and she was cleaning her house and she was like, I just will never understand why God invented dust. Like of all the things, why did God invent dust? <laughs> dust and mosquitoes. Like, come on. <laughs> And I was like, you know, Nancy, we weren't meant to cut down trees and saw them up and build a house and in, you know, insulate ourselves in this way. I don't think God invented dust. I think we did. We're the ones that, you know, put these materials together that then create this, you know. What a pastoral word to Nancy. It's your fault, Nancy. (laughs) Well, I mean, dust is basically mostly dead skin cells floating around. Exactly. We we are the dust. Right. But we reach, if you live, from dust, we were formed and to dust, we return. But but Ogan, in your house growing up, how much dust did you have? Because the windows were open all the time and the this air blew through and, the, you know, it, it, I mean, you had <laughs> sand issues. Sure, there but. was there were sand issues, but you're right. Not a lot of dust issues, lizard issues and, and roach <laughs> issues and mosquito issues because the windows are open all the time. But again, but they're only issues right. because we see them inhabiting our space. Ooh. And not the, and other, not way the other way around. We're the issue. Exactly. Mm. We've always been the issue. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not. I, we just have to move on because I'm not going to get off that point. <laughs> I'm Go not going to be able to let that one go. It's not That's about, good. it's not God. It's us. All right, Shannon, you've convinced me. <laughs> it's not God. It's us. <laughs> Show title. <laughs> what I will always and forever say at the end of this conversation and always and forever have to say at the end of this conversation is that does not mean that God isn't present in the suffering of these things. Ooh, yeah. Yes. God, God is present and God is present into and as us. Mm. Not the disasters and that, themselves. That is where that is to me the only conversation to be had with God and disaster. There you go. I, I like it. I like it. All right. Very good. Okay. Sadly, uh, last week, the Buddhist monk mm-hmm. uh, Thich Nhat Hanh died at the age of 95. And in many ways, he helped popularize the practice of mindfulness in the West. In his book, You Are Here, he urged people to pay attention to what they were experiencing in their body and mind at any given moment and not dwell in the past or think of the future. And he emphasized often awareness of the breath. So just wondering, you know, the impact he had on either view uh, and, you know, what, what you felt when you heard he had passed. Well, um, um, we, we knew he was right. on the decline for some time. Yeah. For many years. So it was, you know, we were basically on death watch for taking that Han. <laughs> So as sad as it was, it wasn't entirely, uh, uh, you know, a surprise. Um, but but to the question, um, uh, his 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 write-ins, his talks, hugely influential. The mindfulness practice, it's it's the only thing that has kept me sane. Mm-hmm. Um, and and frankly, it's not an exaggeration to say alive um, uh, in 
over the last you know 15 years um, since I started reading his works. I, I, I don't think we can, I don't think we can adequately convey in words the impact he had. And this is this is across religion spectrums, right? How many, how many, how many Christians have read Thich Nhat Hanh? How many Buddhists have? How many, how many people have been his students? Uh, one of one of the one of the one of my friends who's a been a great influence and mentor in my life was a was a student for years of Tignat Han, uh, and 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 spent years with him at Plum Village and stuff. So it's like wow. his his impact is is like is uh, you know that whole thing about a butterfly flaps its wings and then there's a hurricane somewhere else. Like this is this is Tignat Han, a, a a ripple that has turned into that turned into like this massive tidal wave that has just washed over, I think the entire planet. So it's it's um the while it is a sad loss his legacy is gonna be around for eons um multiple generations through his writings his works and we also have to remember what an activist he was um mm -hmm. as well and that doesn't get talked about enough um he you know this this idea of engaged buddhism um not just like the passive sit on the cushion and meditate, but the let's get involved yeah. um, in, in in an activist way and bring about transformation. That he he was very much in the forefront of, of that as well. So yeah, great, great impact, huge impact. Yeah, I mean, this is a man. So I actually was introduced to him strangely enough by um my uh education with thomas merton mm -hmm. and like in studying thomas merton then and and what intrigued me first was this relationship is that here's this christian monk and this buddhist monk and they're coming together uh, honestly for their advocacy and their collaboration and i and um that's when, you know, he was the first person to, that I knew of that put Christianity and Buddhism side by side and said, these faiths should look to be a faithful disciple of either one of these. It should actually look very similar. He's actually said on his altar, he's got image of, of both Jesus and the Buddha. Yeah. And, and he was kind of the, he was the first person I knew and that I read, knew of, and that I read that, um, cause I'd studied uh, world religions in college. That was my, my minor is in. And so I had, I had started to see all of these correlations. Um, and that was part of my education out of conservative Christianity, right? Where we're to actually learn about other religions and start to draw these threads back on my own time. And then to see somebody write this book and, and actually lay this out kind of side by side. I was like, oh, this is, you know, he, he, I don't know how much of a risk that was for him. I mean, there's part of me that thinks that that was a big risk. Um, I, I think now if that book was published, like people would burn it and it would be banned and, you know, mm -hmm. like the whole thing. But um, anyway, I just, I think he was an incredible man who walked, um, who was a giant that walked with giants, you know, that kind of thing. I just think he, um, but he, he also introduced me to mindfulness and um, put me onto 
several other Buddhist monks that eventually became people I read regularly. Still, you know, if they publish a book, I'm I'm there. Um, his book on anger was really influential for me. Oh my God, I was just about to mention that. Yes. Yeah. Taming the on tiger anger within. Is... No, it was just called anger. It's called anger. Oh, he has, um, he has another one on anger called Taming the Tiger Within. Oh, okay. So this one, I mean, this one came out maybe early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you actually, if, if, if anger is even remotely in your wheelhouse of like feeling a feeling you struggle with at all, whether it's yeah. baggage or um, have too much of it, have too little of it, you know, that like that. Or you is, have, or you have very angry people in your life. In your mm-hmm. life. Like it is, yeah. is an incredible book anyway. And it's not one of his top five sellers. So I just, yeah. I commend it so to you. Good. I'll, I'll echo that. Yeah, for me, when I was sort of in my deconstruction phase and exploring other faith traditions, um, came across his living Buddha, living Christ, and and mm-hmm. that was really helpful, um, the way he framed things and the language that he used, uh, as you've already described, uh, just really, really helpful. And that sort of led me into reading some of his other books, and, and I'm someone who's dealt with anger, so certainly his writing on that was was helpful. and. And his book, Being Peace, has been really uh, mm. helpful to me. And it's a book I've returned to many times uh, because even reading his writing, I feel like I enter into the, the place I want to land spiritually. Like, I feel like partly reading his, reading his works is a spiritual practice unto itself because he so embodies, even in his words, the, the way of mindfulness and, and breathing and, and spaciousness and detachment that that's just so nourishing. And, and, and very rarely will I read something by him and, and it won't have been just what I needed at that moment. Yeah. And, and that practice of mindfulness, the, the, the idea of coming to present is, is, is so powerful Right, because it's it's the it's the hangups of the past and the worries of the future. Uh, you know, worrying. I always refer to worrying as a misuse of the power of our imagination. But but you know, the the Eckhart Tolle call it the power of now. But but mindfulness of being in this moment when you're fully in this moment, it puts things in such perspective and 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 helps you make the 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 best choices that that, that you need to make in the moment. It's 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 an engaging practice. Um, and I refer to unity. This is the tradition that I'm in. I refer to unity as Christians who want to be Buddhist, but we're not ready to give up Jesus yet. Um, but 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 mindfulness, meditation, um, uh, awareness, these are all integral practices that we that we like lean heavily on in, in unity. And uh, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh's work has been, you know, you walk into any church that has a unity bookstore. There, there are almost as many Thich Nhat Hanh books as there are unity authors, right? Uh, if, if not more. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's big, huge impact. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So um, speaking of, you know, his book, Living Buddha, Living Christ, Buddha and Christ were perhaps the two most pivotal figures, or at least two of the most pivotal figures in the history of humankind. And they each left a legacy of teachings and practices that continue to shape the lives of billions of people. And if they were to meet on the road today, Buddha and Christ, what would each think of the other's spiritual views and practices? 
I think, first of all, they would just have a good laugh at the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like, disagree with that at all. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think they would even have a discussion about what the other is teaching or or as well. They would just be they would just be first. It would be a laugh and then it would just turn into this like really like depressant sort of like I we tried. We tried our best. <laughs> Now, who do you think would be most sort of satisfied with how their quote unquote followers were sort of tuned into what they were actually about? Who would be the most satisfied? Yeah. I, you know, that's hard to tell. I would, I would almost lean towards Buddha, but, but I mean, as in, as in any religion, both religions, right? The original teachings have been co-opted and, 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 misappropriated you know just as just as they are strains of many christianities there are many buddhisms as well right right? so so they're violent buddhists just as exactly i don't think either of them will be wholly satisfied i think i think many of them would both of them would be like yeah can you believe that they thought we said that um but i think uh arguably uh there's more of buddhism that I think resonates more with the original teachings. And I think Christianity has lost its way a lot more. <laughs> yeah. And we're more, we're more tuned into that in the West, certainly. And, and we're very aware of the ways Christianity has diverged all kinds of places that seem yeah. pretty divorced from yeah. who Jesus was and what he embodied. They, were, they weren't there. There isn't a huge national Buddhist movement. <laughs> Right. There weren't there weren't there weren't a lot of Buddhists like storming the Capitol on January 6th last year. Yeah. <laughs> So-called I mean, Buddhists. Right. I mean, the, the fact that it is surprising to some to learn that there are Buddhists who are who are violent and who, you know, commit atrocities. But I and, um, and that's it's true. surprising to me that they're Christians who are violent, violent. And right. But we're far more we're far more tuned in to Christians who do that because we're in the West. And yes. Are there more Christians globally than Buddhists? Um, there are. I don't know. I think, I think so. I think let me, Christianity let me, let me is bigger ask Dr. Google. It, in some ways it's so like evan- mission sort of like heavy. Uh, let's see. I, I, I would think Christianity is but would Buddhists have dropped an atomic bomb, you know, like it, it I, I don't know. I feel like no. we might have feel like <laughs> if we were a more of a Buddhist than a Christian nation, we might have slowed our role on that a little. Uh Chris Christianity is the largest. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like uh if you go by percentages, um globally 31% Christian. Islam 24, secular slash non-religious 15, Hinduism 15, Buddhism five. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, we all know Buddhism has transcended, you know, its teachings and practices, thanks in part to Thich Nhat Hanh, has seeped into the lives of all of the I was gonna above. say, there's no way I would consider I would in on a, a poll like that, I would never check buddhist but that doesn't mean you know that right. they're yeah you know it hasn't found its way um yeah. and probably would you say on that list of religions that aren't christianity you've been influenced more by buddhist teaching and thought than any of those others other than judaism i was gonna say judaism 
um, in more recent years, you know, Islam, but that's just my, but definitely Judaism than Buddhism in terms of my own education. Well, we, yeah. we, we've, to your point, Brian, I think um, we've, we've westernized and Americanized you know, Buddhism and also uh, Hinduism and their yeah, practices. Also true. A, a, a lot, right? When you when you look at what yoga has become, right? It's it's really a travesty and a perversion of what the original practices have been. Not to not to say that that the ex yoga exercises aren't useful to our you know our mindfulness practice, to our bodies, to our well being. Yes, they are. However. When you when you you know don your semi-transparent yoga pants and you walk into a yoga studio, and you know you're doing your downward dog with you know gentle like lo-fi hip-hop music playing in the background, that is not that is so far removed <laughs> from from what the original right, right. Uh, 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 intentions and and also philosophy of yoga. Was, mm -hmm. was is about so there's that too there is that too um right. oh go ahead actors, any last thoughts on, on buddha and jesus it's not i just want to apologize for being gone there for a minute um my husband and daughter are at church for my daughter's voice lesson and my preschool director set the alarm oh no <laughs> wow they were how do we turn this off <laughs> beep, 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 what's beep. the code <laughs> exactly so there was there was a thing <laughs> so anyway that's just All good. All <laughs> everything's good. everybody's fine <laughs> everything's very fine. good very good all right so um the theologian and hebrew bible scholar walter brueggemann states that citizenship or working for the good of one's nation or society is a critical part of christian discipleship do you agree and discuss the implications of that idea that's hard. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling with that. It might have been it might have been a time I agreed, and then January six happened. <laughs> Just like ah. Oh. But don't you think that's a failure of citizenship? Like, doesn't that yes. prove the point in some ways? I guess. I'm curious as to when he said this. Um, I don't disagree. Well, maybe I do. Oh shit! Sorry. Now the alarm company's calling. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, no worries. <laughs> we'll pat till you. We'll pat till you get back. Um, so, so I don't. I don't know. So, so I want a sparse difference between or or ask the question around the the delineation between citizenship and patriotism, right? Um, and what those right right things are. Yeah. So, if citizenship is is the idea, um, and you have it here, working for the good of one's nation slash society, you know, I don't, I can't say it's a critical part because, because uh, there are many different definitions of society when you go from country to country, right? Uh, versus nation. So, so some, so what, what may make a person a good citizen in, in China is not what makes a good citizen or let me go to more extreme uh north korea is not what makes one a good citizen in like the united states so like in north korea it's allegiance to dear leader <laughs> right that's what right. makes one a good citizen but then would you say that that 
I bet he would say by his definition that then there's got to be a subversive element. Like if, if your state has gone off the rails mm-hmm. or doesn't reflect your, you know, the values that you feel as a follower of Christ, then part of being a good citizen is being a prophetic voice or, you know, as MLK would say, being the conscience of the state. And so that might get you into trouble, but that would what that would be what being a good citizen would look like in that setting. From that perspective, yes, nobody else is calling you a good citizen, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 no, that's fair. I hear, I see what you're saying. Yep. Right. Right. So, so, but, 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 but big picture for the betterment of society. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then that's again, uh, how, how does one define Christian discipleship? Right. Cause again, for yeah. some it's being that disruptor as Jesus was, it's being, it's being the advocate for the poor yeah. and the outcast. Right. Uh, but, but, but some people define Christian discipleship in other ways, yeah. right. Sure. The adherence to the minutia of, of, of the Bible and, 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 and the, 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 uh, being on the anti-abortion hunt or whatever, you know, and being anti-LGBTQ. Or being on a purity kick where it's exactly you know, yeah. right. So, so, so the statement, the statement in a broadest of senses, yes, I can agree with, but then when you start parsing down um, and, and, and uh, there's so much context here, how does one define yeah. citizenship? Uh, what makes one a good citizen in your society? How does one define crystal discipleship and apostle and apostleship? Is that a word? Apostolic, whatever, sure. you know what I'm saying? So, so, so yeah, so one's got to parse, parse them down a lot because again, I don't know why I'm on this January 6th kick right now, but a lot of those people would define themselves as good citizens and good Christians. Yeah. So definitions are right. a huge piece of it for sure. Exactly. For sure. Exactly. And I, and I think he I think you would look at it in a couple of senses. One would be sort of the macro level and how do I, you know, work for uh, policies that reflect the values of Christ. So how do I how do I work for policies that that take care of and and um work on behalf of the poor, uh, the outcast, the marginalized, people who don't have the same resources or access to resources as others. And then it would also be true on the micro level, how am I working for the good of my own neighborhood, my own city and community, and am I being a good neighbor? And I think you'd see both of those as being part of being a good citizen. And to me, that makes sense as a, mm-hmm. as a part of discipleship. Like if I'm not working for making life better for my neighbor, particularly my struggling neighbor then what good is my fate well again that's not so again yeah i agreed and here in america especially there's the argument that it's not so much about doing good for my neighbor as it is um me fulfilling the american dream of events in myself for myself right Right for my, for myself, and 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 that's what makes me a good citizen. It's not your it's dream. not your neighbor's best life now. It's your best life now. Exactly. <laughs> Who is my neighbor? I am my neighbor. Right. right? <laughs> so so there's so there's so there's that, and 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 then when we align that with some some uh you know distorted Christian teachings like the prosperity gospel, then it becomes all about me. Yeah, and by the way, I bought the property next door, so I literally am my neighbor. 
By the way, folks, if you're not watching The Shrink Next Door on Apple TV, you really should. That's a fascinating show. Oh, buy the next door. Buy the mansion next door. <laughs> I don't. Under, but did he sell it? Like it wasn't clear. What, I haven't gotten that far. What he um, did with it? No, like, but yeah, I I watched the whole thing. It wasn't clear what happened to the property next door. No, it's not just clear the, at all. But that's the, okay. just that they bought yeah. it anyway. Yeah. Whatever. So what do you think? Uh, you know, you kind of catching it on the tail end here. Yeah. Sorry. Um, um, no worries. What, what's your thought about? citizenship and discipleship i um i i don't know i think it's uh, to be honest i i have moved in recent years to uh feeling more and more that those kind of things need to be kept separate not because my christianity and my discipleship doesn't influence who i am um it's just that like I, I think that, um, how do I put this? Like, we can't be responsible. This goes back to our, like our, you know, whatever question, like we're not responsible people. We can't like the Bible isn't something that is to be ruled from, um, necessarily. Right. Like they're like putting the 10 commandments up in Alabama, isn't going to be the word of the court, you know, like how do you enforce coveting another's neighbor's property anyway like you know how do you like how do you know if i'm honoring my father and mother and like like look okay yes like look at a handmaid's tale like gilead was made from all of these scriptural but it's still manipulated in this way that powerful men get to do what powerful men want to do and i just i think that we cannot be responsible with these things because if we were truly a christian nation we would have never gone to war um yeah i remember you know a conversation about um after the during the second gulf war of standing up and like w talking about christian nation and christian values and justifying that's why we're doing this right and and i'm just sitting there going there's no there's no way um versus let's say the just war doctrine was built out of some christian values and some christian d- discipleship that was able to say here's where like there are occasions in which it is the right thing to do to go to war. Here's yeah. what they are. And then people have just manipulated their agenda into that. Yeah. Almost none of our wars fit into that. Yeah. I mean, World War II is the closest, right? Yes. But we right. also couldn't get involved in Rwanda because genocide is defined as this very specific thing. And 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 what's in it for us again? Exactly. There's no money in Rwanda. And what's in it for us again? Right. And that's the exact point where like there wasn't really anything different happening in Rwanda that was happening in Germany, you know, and and I really do stand by that statement. Um, And and let's also, you know, it was Rwanda. It was a bunch of Africans. It was a bunch of black people. Like it was a bunch of black people that bought into it was it was people that bought into colonialism versus the people, you know, the people that colonialism then said you're good they're bad like these were not we were we've been set up to believe that these kind of tribal wars have been going on forever and they haven't and there's a there's actually really beautiful book about um rwanda and the church's involvement in all of that Mm. um emmanuel lalongwe i think is his last name i'm i probably didn't get that right i'll try to look it up but um Oh, that book he now teaches at Duke. Um, but he's a he's 
he's a phenomenal, like he writes about this and, and this book, it's, it's almost like reading night in a lot of ways. Like it completely changed my understanding, my view of what went on in Rwanda. But anyway, my point is, is that there are reasons to stand up and even, I mean, you all know, like I'm very anti-weapons of any kind, but like there are reasons yeah. to stand up for other people. And we, um, and that is justified in scripture in many times. There's also much in scripture that's, um, we're supposed to learn not to get involved, you know, like not to create war, which is in a lot of ways what we've done in the past. I, I would almost transpose this quote and say, that um, um, uh, uh, he says citizenship is a critical part of Christian discipleship. I would transpose that and say almost like a, a critical part of of Christian discipleship. As you know, if we if we if we look at the broadest teachings of Jesus of Jesus, right? Uh, you know, lo love love the poor, love the outcasts. Uh, you know the. The Good Samaritan story. If you look at the broadest qualities of that, being that um, is what makes you a good citizen. Is what makes you a good society. Um, and I'm not. I'm not sure the, the way the the way that the question is framed. And I don't know what the original quote is, but it's like citizenship precedes Christian discipleship. I think it's the other way around. Uh, yeah, I don't think he would have said it that way. And this isn't a direct quote, in fairness to Brooke. right. That, that's that's what I'm asking. So I think he would probably agree with that. You know, and 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 Christian discipleship again, the broadest strokes of of Jesus' teaching: love your neighbor as as yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, be be the good Samaritan. Uh, uh, look out for the poor. You know, the the beatitudes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that sort of stuff that's that really is in many ways, uh, it's many ways is agnostic, right? You don't you have to be a believer in Jesus to or or born again Christian. That's just good human decency. There's that too. Well, and I anyway, this um, by the way, this book is called Mirror to the Church, um, Resurrecting Faith After Genocide in Rwanda. His name is Emmanuel Catalonge. Um so I, I just, I recommend it on multiple levels. One, if you're trying to educate yourself at all, not just about that conflict, but actually about the church, talking about a church's responsibility in these moments. Mm. Um, and I mean, cause the fact is that um, churches are often the places that where the genocides took place, right? Um, the churches were used in that fashion and the church leadership let that happen or be killed, you know? So anyway, I, and I use that as an example, just to say like, this is part of the reason why I go back to like, I actually, at the, like the more we go on in this, the more I very much do feel like faith should get out of politics way and politics, yes, should be governed by a rule of ethics and a rule of morals. And if those come from a person's faith, that's great. But in my lifetime, I have seen, I have seen faith abused way more than I have seen it used in it used for good yeah. in church politics or in in, I, I, in the country's politics, I, I, politics. exactly yeah. and you you gave the great example with w right yeah
and a hush. Did we go mute? Like, I was like, did everybody no, lose sound? I mean, Brian, Brian's, Brian's, Brian's Brian thinking is we're like, I was, I was debating I using a Trump X, you know, doing a Trump impression, but I don't really have one. So I was going to talk no, about the, um, Are you vaccinated with the Lord? The Bible's my favorite book. And, uh-huh. you know, but I can't tell you anything about it. No, no, no. Uh, I'll sign yeah. it, though. Okay. <laughs> you and Joel Olstein. Yeah. <sighs> oh my goodness yeah definitely uh but 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 let's let's be clear of all the of all the presidents that have uh you know professed christian faith right they still all did the thing that presidents always do whether it's related to war or the economy or whatever they still all do all did things that they always do so it's 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 arguable what impact the faith they professed had on on their actions. I mean, I mean, uh, Bush was the only one uh, that I can remember who like clearly came out and said, "You know what? We're going to war because it's the holy thing to do." <laughs> Pretty much, you know. Yeah. Uh, he didn't he say he had he had the conversation with god at some point like he had some dream or some vision i, he, I honestly don't remember everything he said it, it, i i it, it i i seem to remember that i don't think i'm making that up he, i don't but, i don't think you are either i'm just saying that right like, you know and whatever. he was very explicit about this is good versus evil and christians are the good people exactly yeah. Oh and no no no! It was full of Christian language and everything exactly, else. Exactly, exactly. There was there was this there was definitely this strong imperative that this this was this was a wholly just inter, intervention and and, and and arguably and there's the argument of like okay, what was that? What he really believed, or was he very clear in that using his that language? Yeah. He's pulling most of America along because that's yeah. where a lot of America aligns. And and just to close that out, like. I will also admit that these feelings started. I mean, it it is interesting to me that my adult life and 9-11 coincided because my in, my independent thinking and politics, you know, away from my parents and away from my family and 9-11 kind of all came around the same, you know, in you know, in a couple of years of each other. And that was also a time when um the flag became synonymous with you know you're either, like you're either with us or against us and if mm-hmm. you have a flag you're with uh, that means you buy into all of this yep. and that polarized thinking was was hard and yep. that's where i've gone more and more to i'm just i'm i'm not sure these two things uh, i'm not sure we're responsible enough to have these two things be together so that's <laughs> I that's think where that I am. anything we've proved is that we are not responsible we are not responsible <laughs> It is a big group project, friends, and we are failing. Yes. So I forgot that I'm doing the closing. Um, so my apologies <sighs> for that big lull. That was my cue. And I, I took saw Brian take a drink and I was like, well, I guess we're not closing. But anyway, um, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pup Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. Get access to pre and post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google podcasts. Our top cities this week were Cincinnati, Des Moines, and Stockholm of all places. Who's been traveling? 
Watch us live Tuesdays or Wednesdays on Facebook around 4.30 and find or create a pup theology in your hometown. Learn more at puptheology.com. And until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. Did everyone get into uh, the church okay? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Give us the update. Well, okay, so this is really this is really weird. The weird thing is, is that the alarm didn't actually go off, so it didn't sound. Because, like, Derek would have noticed if it sounded. I mean, trust me, it's like a really loud alarm, right? Okay. So it never sounded. So it was going off with no sound. So he had mm. tripped it because he was in my office and, and Maggie and her voice teacher in the sanctuary. It's a silent alarm. And it's not supposed to be. Oh. Y'all may need a new company. <laughs> They're, they are the new company. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, no. Man. Wow.